Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's Money-M-O-R-P-H-O-S-I-S.com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome, this is Crystal Arnold, your hostess and founder of Money Wise Women and Money Morphosis. So important to look at improving our abilities to navigate the changing economy. So as most of you know, I um, am an economist and see the shift towards more um, uh, of a gigging economy, as it's called, where there's less nine to five full-time work with pension plans and all of that. And things are really shifting where there's automation in the workforce and uh, and we've just seen a lot of millennials and, and the younger generation here coming up instead of um, having full-time job opportunities, having to get creative and needing to develop the skills that may not be taught to them in their um high school or uh, higher education. And so it's kind of like this this uh, new world is emerging where people are needing to be more adaptive and resilient and really draw on their inner resources and their sense of uh, purpose and values to not only look at how they earn money, but where they invest it, where who their bank is. And really, I feel like there is a great deal of opportunity in this emerging generation to get more creative with what work means and where it may be uh, creating, uh, yeah, just more opportunities for entrepreneurship. And this is one of the reasons I've brought our guest here today, Sarah Silver Hanawi. Sorry. Um, on. She has just a super inspiring background with a lot of wisdom to share with you all. She has her master's in education and is co-founder, director, and chief learning officer at Purple. And if you look it up, that's Purple without an E. And which is the small business incubator in New York City. And she also runs GEL, G-E-L-L, which is stands for the Gig Economy Learning and Leadership. And so this work stems from her long career in both for-profit and nonprofit sectors, focusing on program design, business development, and strategy in of in areas of education management and human uh, development. So specifically, she's really into programs that support individuals' ability to actualize their potential and be more self-directed in their learning and work. 
Sarah has been instrumental in the growth and success of a number of national and international student-centered programs, including the Columbia University Teen Screen Program, Lit World, and the College Board's College and Career Planning Curriculum called College Ed. She has served on the board of the Institute for Democratic Education in America and the Next Generation Committee and Association of Small Foundations. And recently, she served as a leadership expert in residence at TED. Her new model for the leadership in the gig economy is the topic of a TED Talk and a book which is currently in development. She's facilitated peer-to-peer mentorship groups and consults with organizations to help founders, independent workers, students, and organizational staff develop competencies to thrive in the new world of work by being self-led. And you can find out more about her at the link at the write-up here on um, moneymorphosis.com. And her website is www. Sarah, um, I'll just spell it out, S-A-R-A-H-H-I-N-A-W-I.com. So uh, look up her name there, and you can check out all of these amazing projects. So Sarah, welcome to the show. I would love to begin by hearing what it is that excites you most about the work that you are doing. Hi, Crystal. Thanks so much for having me. Um, well, you know, uh, just hearing you read my bio, it struck me how many different things um, are going on. But really what, what connects them all for me is this idea that um, that we're all kind of strengthened by tying our personal learnings to our practical outcomes. And so that, that ties into my work in a lot of ways but especially around um, people building, building their, their future paths, whether they're um, in the K through 12 system or in the groups of independent workers that I work with. I feel like um, we have very few places where we have an opportunity to reflect and really tie our personal learnings to our practical outcomes. And that's increasingly important when it comes to figuring out um, a path in today's kind of um, complicated and sometimes amorphous world of work um, and definitely around money because money is such a personal issue in so many ways and at the same time such a practical necessity and so how can we take what we know about ourselves and how we um, cope with um, our intentions and our practical interactions in a way that that we can thrive in this world. So that's that's um, a really interesting and exciting area where I like to focus, whether it's on a person to person level or or with organizations. Oh, I love that. What a necessary and needed approach, which is so different from. Mainstream education, which is all about filling up the student <laughs> with the facts and can't, how well can you recite this? It's like really this deep inner knowing that then allows us to be cooperative and, uh, you know, creative thinkers and just feels like such an important uh, field of work that you're in. 
Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you talked, you referenced the gig economy there and it is, you know, it is something that a lot of millennials are facing, but it's actually, um, we have 40% of the American population working independently right now. And that's, that's heading up towards 60% by 2025. And so I really, you know, and even beyond that, um, people are changing jobs every year and a half and careers every four years. So I really see the gig economy more as an era than as a segment of the population and um, see these issues around, you know, self-awareness and, um, and uh, self-direction as, um, as lifespan issues that we're, we need to be thinking about as we think about productivity and work uh, now and into the future. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So what, what is it that brought you into this field and, and tell us a little bit about your background and, and discovering this purpose and, and uh, how, how it's transformed uh, here throughout your career? Yeah. Um, I, I always, um, you know, I, I, I think, I kind of root my whole story around this with uh, a revelation I had my junior year of college um, where I was taking a class called teaching and tutoring writing across the disciplines at Oberlin college. And um, in that class, we were working with um, students in, in the community of Oberlin, which is in one of the poorest counties in the country, actually Lorain County in Ohio. Um, and we were tutoring these students who were struggling with reading and writing. And we read a book called Lives on the Boundary by an author named Mike Rose that talked a lot about um, helping at-risk youth um, build their writing skills by using their own personal stories. And it seems like such an obvious thing, but it was a big revelation to, to realize, you know, of course, how essential that was that these kids who were kind of, feeling outside the system needed some reason to feel the relevance and engagement of being in the school context. And that made sense to start with their stories. And it was also a class where I was asked for the first time to write in my own voice, as opposed to, you know, an academic voice. And this, this idea of personal voice was a big turning point for me. Um, And so that was really the driver for me going into education. Um, and always wanted to do that at the level of student success. Um, and so, you, like you mentioned, my bio, I did that at Columbia, and then I was also doing that at the college board for college ed. And college ed was geared toward first-generation college students to help them build ownership around their academic path at an early age, um, um, which is, you know, essential. Um, but I felt more and more as I was there that, that everybody needed to be having these conversations. I knew from the time I was young, I would be going to college, but it didn't mean that I felt the relevance of that or had ownership of that. Um, And I also, during that time, you know, learned about the fact that close to 50% of our students are not graduating from college in four to six years. Um, And really started to tie what I was learning about disengagement in school and disengagement later on in the workforce with this idea of voice and ownership. Um, and so that's, that's evolved from working in the educational community to working with adults around these same issues, especially, um, as it pertains to independent work. Um, and I, I just found it to be such an, a fascinating intersection of, of personal development and professional development, 
um, that that's where I've built the last really decade of my work is around how do we foster this idea of voice and self-direction uh, among professionals um, in, in, the, in the gig economy and, and elsewhere. Wow. I, I was looking through uh, some of your past courses that you've done at Purple and uh, saw the storytelling yeah. for leadership. And I was like, oh, that is so crucial is our capacity yeah. to uh, create our own stories of what success is and, and uh, you know, what money is to us and who we are and how we communicate that in a unique brand. And so what yep. advice do you have for entrepreneurs who want to uh, kind of use, use that storytelling and, and really um, up their game in their business? Mm, yeah. Um, well, so, you know, one of the things I've did recently was the, was the residency at TED where I really kind of codified this competency model for self-directed leadership. Um, and the foundational competency that I, you know, about and, and work with people on is this idea of radical self-awareness, this kind of rigorous, ongoing um, reflection on self and like I talked about before that kind of tying of those observations to our practical outcomes so there are you know a few different um, areas where where that can be applied and one of them I one of the competencies is around authentic storytelling but I think the foundation for authentic storytelling is this self-knowledge so I would say you know one strategy is just to build in time for reflection. I think so many people running their own work, um, first of all, start off because they've got a passion or a skill that they really want to share, and they don't, they don't start doing that to become a leader um, as opposed to the, the kind of stereotypical idea of entrepreneurship. Um, and yet you, you kind of have to step into that leadership in order to fully embody and advance that work. So... Um, and second of all, you know, a lot of times we're so busy kind of making everything happen and managing all the moving pieces that we don't give ourselves the time and permission and space to reflect on how we're performing, what it feels like to be performing in that way, and what the emotional struggles are. Um, and a lot of times those emotional struggles are, are occupying a lot of our energy and, and can limit our growth. So... I guess the first the first strategy I would I would put in there is just to take time to really know yourself so that when you do tell your story it can be authentic um, and powerful um, and you know on top of that I guess um, there's there's the relational relation relational component so another competency I talk about is purposeful communing so being intentional and thoughtful and strategic, not in a, you know, get what you can get kind of way, but just in a really, in a, in a deep kind of awareness of who you're talking to, what they need to know and what pieces of yourself are most valuable in that context. Um, and to build some agility around telling your story so that you know how your narrative can relate to to what other people are, are working with and, and hoping to gain from their conversations with you. So those are two, two strategies I would put out there. 
Mm. We'll probably talk all day about that, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I think <laughs> it's it's a it, those are really crucial pieces that you pulled out. That yeah. you know, de- developing that empathy and ability to listen and and feel the relationship to the other person and uh, consider their needs, and that is uh, that is so powerful. So I'm curious. You've worked with so many uh, entrepreneurs and and young people, and what are like some of the most common struggles, the top two or three that you see uh, people, wh- whether they're getting started in their business or or already established, what are some of the most common struggles, and perhaps if any of them relate to money or finances, um, yeah, that, that might be good. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, a major um, struggle that a lot of the women I work with have it has to do with pricing. Um, I think there's there's a, a challenge around valuing one's service or one's skill, especially um, in independent work where often people feel so identified with that skill or with that offering that it feels like they're, they're charging for somebody just to interact with them or to, to take advantage of something that comes so naturally. So that's one really interesting um, issue area because it has to do with valuing ourselves, valuing um, kind of understanding the boundaries between who we are and the service we're providing and the boundaries between our personal relationships and our professional relationships, and then associating a monetary value with that and being able to, um, to negotiate sometimes complicated conversations between people within our networks and within our social networks or uh, who we like on a personal level and still have those be financially feasible and profitable from a business perspective. Yes, uh, totally makes sense. You know, especially women are like programmed to be willing to do so much unpaid work. And there is, mm-hmm. you know, there is a natural level of generosity where we will caretake for our children and and do these um, household duties. And, and then there is this kind of, uh, you know, humbleness that's like, oh, you, you don't, it's like a belief that w- women shouldn't be too boastful or, or proud or something. And so I see that undercharging with a lot of people too. And, and it can be hard to know where to set your rates and, and then how to change them once they're set. And like you said, when, when you really just care about helping people, how do you create those healthy boundaries for personal versus professional relationships and uh, that is a really fascinating um, point. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is there anything else that that you feel like people um, struggle with as as entrepreneurs and women in particular? Yeah, I mean, and in addition to the relational relational aspect of pricing, I think there is just sort of a way that a lot of the women I've worked with approach their business development from a very intuitive sense. Um, And so 
it's often an emergent process of opportunities that arise and team members that arrive and colleagues that arrive to them as opposed to um, uh, a structure that they pursue. And so I think that that kind of building, um, allowing the natural kind of creative process of business development to flow while at the same time um, being strategic and intentional around, around the financial scalability. Um, I think sometimes in our eagerness to get a product out there, we, we get ahead of ourselves in terms of scalability and sustainability and protecting, protecting um, resources. You know, one of the things I talk a lot about is that as women and often mothers and um, spouses and professionals, we're only one set of resources. And so how do you kind of calculate what your time is worth when the professional time that you're spending is also um, utilizing resources that you may need to apply in other areas of your life and taking a holistic view towards that kind of resource management. Right. And I can imagine there is uh, in the gigging economy, it seems a lot more flexible in some ways, so people are probably needing more time management skills. Maybe the income also fluctuates more, so I could see people it may feel more unpredictable and and kind of stressful. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it seems like that flexibility comes with some additional challenges. Yes, absolutely. And you brought up a good point there, which is kind of um, an element of resilience. Um, to the ups and downs and the cyclical nature of of work um, that comes in kind of on a consulting or independent basis. So many, um, many people have, you know, like a busy season and a slow season and how do you stay productive even when income is not coming in and plan for those down periods, um, both on an emotional level and a financial level. Hmm. So tell us a little bit, if people aren't familiar with the gig economy, uh, some more about it. What are the numbers, demographics, you know, what is this era going, how how can people orient towards participating in this new era? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like I said, it's, there's close to 40% of the population, or it may even be a little over 40% right now, who are working independently in some way. And that that can mean any number of things. A lot of people think about the gig economy in terms of Uber or um, uh, care.com or a lot of these other sort of on-demand service um, providers that that are there right now, but it also means um, small business owners, consultants, freelancers, um, and, you know, many corporations are also moving a lot of their employees to this kind of consultant sort of relationship. Um, but a lot of the people that I work with are what I think of as accidental entrepreneurs. They are women reentering the workforce and trying to do so in a way that makes sense for their families or for themselves, and they're using skills they have um, to to build some kind of um, financial relationship around. So, in that way, we're kind of moving toward more of a sharing economy. Um, but I, you know, one of the really interesting conversations about this is is about the future of work, and I'm in a lot of conversations where people are thinking about 
um, the loss of jobs as we go more toward automation, as you kind of referenced in your opening remarks there. Um, and um, I, I think as we um, enter into that space, we're going to be having more and more conversations about um, creating value and and valuing, you know, thinking about productivity not just in terms of our financial or financial remuneration, but really making an impact and creating meaning uh, in our communities and our environments. So, um, in terms of how people can relate to this economy, I mean, I think we all um, we all are in some way, like I said, just by virtue of the fact that um, people are not staying in their jobs like they used to, you know, it used to be you'd graduate, you'd get a job, you'd spend your career there. Um, my dad was worked at the same place from the time he was in grad school until he retired. And I know, you know, he's certainly not the only one. Um, so I think that requires of us a much more um, self-directed approach. And that's, that's where a lot of my thinking around self-leadership is. It's really, you know, we've, we've defined leadership in the past very hierarchically according to sort of advancing within an organizational structure. Um, and that really doesn't serve uh, us right now because what we need to be thinking about is how we can have more agency around our own path because we don't have somebody holding out a path of advancement when we're making these kind of rapid shifts. We need to be holding out that, that path for ourselves. Um, and so um, that that's where the lifespan view of this comes in for me because our our school systems are really not setting us up to do well in that sort of environment. Our school systems are based on an industrial model of kind of factory work and showing up to be directed. Um, and what what we need our schools to be doing are preparing our kids to be agile, to be self-aware, to be responsive and creative problem solvers. Um, and so, you know, one way that people can start to orient to this is to work with their children and, and within the household on thinking critically and, and thinking sort of proactively and reflectively about their relationship to their school environment or to their future. Um, and then I think, you know, we also need to be doing that for ourselves as just actors in this in this world of work, and as much as possible in our in our workplace communities or in our local environments. So, uh, you know, one of the main challenges of the gig economy also is um, is a sense of isolation, um, which which leads to a lack of persistence and resilience. Especially, you know, we know the numbers of how many people start small businesses, I, um, and the majority of them don't succeed and a lot of times that has to do with just burnout um, and um, so building up the capacity to um, to stay resilient uh, around around that work um, is gonna is gonna create a lot more um, success and revenue and energy around this environment um, um, and the, the part, part of what I do with gel and part of what I encourage people to do are kind of build networks of trusted advisors within their communities. So, 
try to find people with whom you can um, share share your journey and share accountability so that you can kind of lift each other up as you advance this work. Yes, I totally recommend that too as as an entrepreneur having I have a women's entrepreneur group. We meet monthly and it's such a relief to like feel that camaraderie and that support. And then just, you know, a couple colleagues who we trade kind of monthly phone calls and and coach each other informally. And there is uh, so much power. Our power and our impact can really be amplified by having these relationships both with peers and colleagues and then with mentors. And I feel like that's really key. Are you ready to enjoy greater financial freedom? Perhaps you're like Emily, a creative entrepreneur who wants to increase her income to provide for her family. Using the free video training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com, she learned the secrets to accessing hidden resources and creating lasting wealth. Emily learned a persuasive negotiation technique to bring in more money with her top clients. She boosted her credit score and opened new financial doors while reducing expenses. And she took specific steps to strengthen her existing relationships and create a safety net for her business. With the Discover Your True Wealth training, thousands of women have improved their bank balances and secured their family's future. With this free video course, you'll transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. Take charge of your financial situation with the training found at discoveryourtruewealth.com. Welcome back. We are here with uh, guest Sarah Silver Hinawi, and she is just a great educator and really supporting people who are entrepreneurs and engaged in the gigging economy, uh, director and founder of Purple and Gel, which is the gig economy learning and leadership. And super inspiring just to hear some of these uh, these elements of both internal reflection and developing our own capacity for acknowledging our unique purpose, our gifts, our value, how to set rates fairly, and then also looking at how do we engage in meaningful ways in relationships with both mentors and colleagues and peers in the field, and how we can use these relationships to create greater impact and influence and and really uh, find mutually beneficial ways to support one another. And it's so fascinating to look at self-directed learning as the wave of the future, as this necessary skill set and capacity for adapting to change. Because let's face it, our educational institutions are becoming outdated. A lot of the elementary, high school, even uh, higher education programs are not teaching the interpersonal, relational skills and the inner Uh, reflection and emotional intelligence, as well as uh, how how to be self-directed and to find that unique 
spark and purpose that will really create your brand and your value and a captivating story that people can engage with you and identify with you as a leader. And so, so important, these skills. As she said, this is going to be an era of gigging. It's not just a sector of the population. It's actually a, a change in, in the economy that we are at the at just the beginning of. And so it's increasing the number of people, uh, 40% of, of American workers involved in some way as entrepreneurs or members of the gigging economy. So that's why it's so valuable, the trainings that she brings forth and how it impacts people to be more empowered with uh, not only their finances and their ability to charge what they're worth, but also to find greater satisfaction and joy in their work and be able to really have the impact they want because there is so much need out there for creative, innovative, collaborative entrepreneurs to really be engaged. And yet there can be a lot of struggles that come with that as we talked about the isolation, the self-doubt, the um, fluctuating, unpredictable income cycles. And so to really be connected with mentors and entrepreneurs who understand the opportunities and the challenges of engaging in this economy is very powerful. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your wisdom with us here today. It's uh, super inspiring to hear about this era of the gigging economy and some of the opportunities and the challenges and how people are getting the skills and trainings um, both through Purple and Gel and your leadership in this whole area. So really encourage people to check out your TED Talk and find out more at your website. And just really grateful that you are so actively defining, redefining education and how we relate to each other and our work and really create the impact that we're looking to. So thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve. 